following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Well, I was excited when Reuben asked me to preach on December 3rd because it means I can talk about Christmas. And Christmas is uh, my wife and I, it's our favorite time of year. So we've had Christmas set up for some time now, which I'm sure many of you can appreciate. But uh, the other fantastic thing about Christmas, and this is something my boys, who are now young men, they still really appreciate about me, and that's my dad jokes, (laughs) right? So all you dads might want to get out a pen and a piece of paper and write these down. (laughs) What does Santa say when he walks backwards? Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Oh, took you guys a while. See? There you go. And what do you get if Santa goes down a chimney with the fire lit? Crisp Kringle. (laughs) I was thinking about the gospel of Santa this week because I think the gospel of Santa implies that your good behavior gets rewarded, right? But of course, the gospel of Christ transcends any notion that our good behavior is going to bring a reward of some kind. And so the gospel of Santa says, be good and be rewarded, right? It's a great parenting technique, but not a very good spiritual message, I think. And the gospel of Christ is not dependent upon your being good enough to receive God's reward of eternal life. And Christmas, it commemorates really the divine coming of the divine and the grace and forgiveness that comes through our Savior and Messiah, Jesus Christ. And someone has said, Christmas is the promise and Easter is the fulfillment. Because Christmas remembers the Messiah coming into the world, but of course Easter remembers the Messiah and what he did for us on the cross that took away our sins. And often when I think of the Christmas story, we often hear about the popular characters, right? We get sermons and messages on Mary and Joseph and we hear about the shepherds and the angels and the wise men. But there were other people in the Christmas story that are lesser known names than, than those characters. But they're equally as significant to us. And so there's names that come up like um, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And of course, they're the mother of John the Baptist. But there's other names like the prophetess Anna. Or where I want to focus this morning, I want to delve into the story of Simeon. He was, he's kind of less commonly known in the Christmas story, but he plays a very significant part in this divine narrative. And I've asked Manuela to come up and read from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. So, will you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. When the time for the purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Thank you, Manuel. Well, there are three observations I made about that passage as I studied it and looked at it this week. And that is, the first one is that the coming of Jesus ushered in a new era, and the old era was passing away. But secondly, that, the, that Jesus came not to abolish the old covenant, but to fulfill the old covenant. And then the next thing you notice in that passage is that Jesus actually brings good news to all of the nations and not just to the nation of Israel. So let's look at that first observation there. Um, it says, Jesus ushered in a new era, and the old one was passing away. In verse 26, it says this. It says, it had been revealed to him, that Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was an old man by now, but he had waited and served the Lord faithfully for his whole life. For his entire life, he had served the Lord faithfully, and he had longed for and waited for this very moment. But as I was studying this passage, something kind of stood out in the passage as I studied it that I'd never really considered before. Because Luke presents the story of the birth of Christ in chapter 1 and chapter 2, but he begins this story in chapter 1 with the, the birth of John the Baptist. And of course, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, but more than that, John the Baptist is the last prophet of the Old Covenant. And his parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And listen to the description of how Luke describes Zechariah and Elizabeth in verse, 11, or verse 7 of chapter 1. It says, But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And then Luke described and made a point, it seems, to point out Simeon and Anna. And he says in verse 26 that Simeon would not die before he saw the Messiah. So he presents this picture that Simeon was close to death, that he was an old man. And then in verse 36 of chapter 2, it says that the prophet Anna, that she was very old as well. 
And so Luke seems to be making a point that Elizabeth and Zechariah and Simeon and Anna were of a very old age. And it's interesting that God ordained that the parents of the last prophet be of older age, kind of beyond childbearing. And why did Luke say that they were of an old age, very old, in fact? And why are the two witnesses, Simeon and Anna, described as very old at the point of death? But you have this contrast then between the parents of the promised Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, who the Bible describes as being very young. And in fact, historians believe that Mary was most likely still a teenager at the birth of Jesus. And so the question arose that Luke seems to be presenting. Why is Luke presenting this contrast between the older generation and the new, younger generation? He seemed to stress that Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna were, were very old, but yet they were also devout. They were devout, law-abiding, temple-going Jewish people. They were faithful to God, and they were faithful in serving God. And of all of them had been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They'd been longing for the coming of the Messiah. In, in fact, in chapter 1, verse 6, he describes Zacharias and Elizabeth. He says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And he says of Simeon in verse 25 of chapter 2, he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And Anna was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And in fact, Jesus later teaches of himself in Luke chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. But then Jesus says, since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. And so Jesus presents this contrast between the two eras. And here's the point. John the Baptist, and the last prophet of the Old Covenant, was born to older parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Jesus was born to young parents, to a young couple who had their entire lives ahead of them. And I think somehow God was also presenting in this and communicating in these passages the passing of the baton. Baton, I think you say in New Zealand, isn't it? The passing of the baton. God was presenting the passing of the old era and ushering in of the new era. And in reality, that's a natural progression of life, isn't it? The young generations come up and the old generations fade away. But more than that, the coming of the Messiah was ushering in a new era of covenant. And Luke tells us Simeon, who was righteous and devout as a Jewish leader in the temple, it says that he was guided by the Spirit of God and that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, don't get stuck on that word consolation because it really means to console or to comfort. And so God was, he was waiting for God to console and comfort the people of Israel. Simeon was waiting for God to bring his comfort and his peace to the nation who had long awaited for their Messiah to come into the world. And he's actually referencing Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim, proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, 
that her sin has been paid for, that, he, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort my people, God said. The Messiah would come and console the nation of God's people. But he would also alleviate their grief and their sorrow and all that they had been through, through the generations. And the Messiah would comfort them from all that they had gone through while they were waiting for their long-awaited Messiah. And so Simeon was devoted to God and devoted to waiting on the promises of God in the old covenant, in the covenant of Moses. And the Holy Spirit was with him. And the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before the Messiah arrived. What an incredible moment it would be for this old man, Simeon. An old man looking forward to a new era. There's something significant about that. Most old men are looking at the past. Simeon was looking forward to the new era that was to come. Recently, I was listening to a TED Talk from 1998. I didn't even know there were TED Talks in 1998. But in this TED Talk, uh, Billy Graham was speaking. He was invited to the TED Talks. If you're not familiar with TED Talks, today they have TED Talk conventions where they invite in all kinds of experts and academics and leaders in fields of technology and science and other areas of of, uh, academia. And they give presentations on all kinds of topics. But in, in the early beginnings of TED Talk, they were really focused really on new technologies and the technologies that were coming. And in this TED Talk, Billy Graham had been invited to speak. And he made a statement that he enjoyed speaking to all the tech leaders of the day of all the corporations. And he st- t- spoke to many of the CEOs that were there. He learned about all the new technologies that were said to come in the future. And then he said this. He said, I would love, I would like to live in that age and see what is going to be, but I won't. I know that my time is brief. He was 80 years old when he spoke those words. He actually lived another 19 years. But just like Billy Graham, Simeon had hoped to live in that age, in the age of the Messiah that was to come. And it was revealed to Simeon that he would indeed get to live long enough to see at least the beginning of that age. But in addition to seeing the Messiah, he was also witnessing in the baby Jesus the passing of that old era, the passing of the old covenant. And the old covenant, as the book of Hebrews says, is completed in Jesus. It's brought to completion. And through this baby boy, Jesus that Simeon now held in his hands, he was also ushering in a new covenant. Simeon says this, the Bible says this in verse uh, 28. It says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, And the glory of your people, Israel. This long-awaited moment, the long-awaited promise was being fulfilled in this Christ child. And by the way, when you hear the name Jesus Christ, that's not actually his first and last name. Some of you may not be aware of that. But Jesus is actually the Greek name 
of the Hebrew word Joshua. And Christ is really his title. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. So really, it's a title. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Now, Simeon also recognized that Jesus was more than the fulfillment of a promised Savior to the nation of Israel. Jesus is the Messiah that was also promised to be a hope to all nations, to the Gentiles, the the non-Jewish people, as well as to the Jewish people. And as he took this child in his arms, he praised God. All his dreams were now being fulfilled as as a servant of God. And he says he's now content to die in peace. Wouldn't you love to come to that moment at the end? where you can be content to die in peace. All his dreams were fulfilled in Christ. But what a moment for Joseph and Mary as well. Look at what it says in verse 33. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They too were now realizing how special their baby boy was. However, Simeon also prophesied to Mary in verse 34. It says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, The child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. His message was a prophetic one about the future. And this leads to the second observation that I made, and that is that Jesus did not come to abolish the old covenant, but to fulfill that old covenant. And so the era of the law and the prophets was passing away. But this is happening not because Jesus opposed the law, but because he fulfilled the law and every aspect of the law. Jesus later teaches in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. He said, I I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so Luke prepares us in a way for this important issue that is to come. With Jesus comes a new age, a new message to the Jewish people, one that many of them were not necessarily expecting. That Jesus, with Jesus comes the ushering in of the kingdom of God in a way that many did not see. And this passage shows how Jesus himself held both of these covenants together. That on the one hand, he would usher in the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God as the Messiah to Israel. And that was a revolutionary thought to the nation of Israel. John the Baptist said in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, as he proclaimed to the Israelites that they should receive his baptism, he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. But on the other hand, in his life, Jesus would also remain completely committed to and completely faithful to the old covenant. And he did that perfectly. And that's significant I like what N.T. Wright said in his commentary. This was, in fact, the reality towards which Israel's whole life and whole tradition had pointed. The error of the law and the prophets were passing away. Behold, a new has come. 
And with Jesus, God transitions us from the old Mosaic covenant to the new covenant of grace. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, law only points out our sin. Law never fixes our sin. Law just makes you aware of right and wrong, but it never fixes right and wrong. John chapter 1, verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, there are many people who refuse to come to God because they think they're not good enough. In fact, there are many Christians who feel like it's just too hard to be a Christian because they can never seem to get rid of their own sin. And if you fall into one of those categories, I want you to understand this morning that you've misunderstood what it means to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Christianity is not about being good enough. In fact, I often tell people Christianity is not about being a good moral person. But I recognize that in the world, the majority of people probably look at Christianity as only being about good and morality. And unfortunately, the church has often promoted this idea that Christianity is about being a good moral person. But Christianity has very little to do with morality at all. Because Christianity is about Jesus and Jesus alone. And you can never be good enough. That's the essence for why the Messiah came. Our Savior, Messiah, Jesus Christ, was born to us for that very purpose. Jesus fulfilled the law and all of its works. The reason Christianity is not about working and trying to be good as a moral person is because only Jesus can transform your heart and your mind. And so when you move closer to Jesus, then your heart and your mind become more aligned with his heart. But the opposite is also true. When you start to move away from Jesus, when you stop reading the Bible, when you no longer think about him in your daily life, your heart and your mind become more and more persuaded by the lies of this world. And so it comes down to being about Jesus and what he does in our hearts. The Bible says when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And we are all broken people struggling to get by in life sometimes. Romans 10 verse 4 says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. This is why Jesus was born into the world so long ago. To bring about our righteousness because we do not become righteous on our own. We cannot become righteous on our own. We can only become righteous because of Jesus and what he's done for us. None of us are good enough. None of us can live up to perfection. But the great thing about it is God never requires us to do that. Our Father in heaven is far more interested in our pursuit of him than in our perfection. He wants us to chase after him. He'll take care of the rest. He knows that we're not perfect. He knows that we never would be perfect. Otherwise, he would not have had to send his son in the first place. He knows that we cannot fix the brokenness of our hearts. 
The point of this whole transition between the covenants is that we cannot obtain righteousness and perfection on our own by following the law in the first place. But when we ask Jesus into our hearts, he becomes our righteous perfection. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a righteousness apart from the law that has been made to us, and that righteousness is Jesus Christ alone. You should not let your imperfections and your sins prevent you from running to Jesus because Jesus loves you. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the true meaning of Christmas. That God loved even you. He loved you so much that he sent his only son into the world that first Christmas morning. And then he offered his only son as a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was so perfect that it would take care of the need for any other sacrifices because now there's no other sacrifice left for you because Jesus sacrificed himself for you. And so Simeon's farewell, with his farewell, we see that Jesus ushered in a new era and Jesus also came to fulfill that old covenant. But the other thing you notice in this passage is that Jesus, Jesus also brings the good news to all of the nations. And Simeon quotes from Isaiah again when he says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all nations. And he continues the quote from Isaiah when he says, That salvation, that salvation who is Jesus, is for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of Israel. Jesus was and is the Jewish Messiah. But more than that, part of this new era, part of this transition between covenants is that God is making his Messiah available and accessible, his salvation known and accessible to Jews and to Gentiles, to all of us who are non-Jews. We also get to come to God through Jesus Christ. And so Simeon's prophetic words about the baby Jesus start to come true when he said to Mary, your baby son here is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. Some will rise up and accept him and some will fall down flat on their face because they reject him. He will also be a sign spoken against and we all know a world that rejects Jesus also works against him. And then he says, there will also be a sword that pierces Mary's very soul. And Mary's heart and her soul were pierced to the core when, he's, when she saw Jesus hanging on the cross. You see, with Jesus, there can be no neutrality. You either can accept him or reject him, but you cannot be half in and half out with Jesus. Yet, 
Jesus tells us we have the choice. It's up to us to accept him or reject him. But he loves us. The birth of Jesus ushered in the good news to the whole world. I love that passage in Luke chapter 2 where the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Scripture tells us in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news which brought great joy to the people. Jesus brought this good news not only to Israel, but to the world, the whole world. And this is the point of Christmas, that He brings good news to all of us. This great joy can be yours today. Many of you, perhaps most of you here today, already believe and have Jesus in your heart through faith. But I know that some of you do not. I know that some of you here today, you've been coming to church regularly, actually. But you don't have Jesus in your heart. Some of you are just exploring faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. So I want to ask you, do you have faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And do you accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life? What a great time of year to decide that that baby born in the manger, manger so long ago is the Savior of the world. Coming to understand this one truth can change your entire perspective of life. Jesus came to give you joy, each one of us to give us joy, joy in the midst of whatever life throws at us. It's not a joy that makes us happy. It's a joy that is deep and profound in our lives when we go through life struggles. I can't fully explain it. I just know that our life and our outlook on life is different when we have Jesus truly in our hearts. Jesus consoles us with hope and with joy. And he consoles us with that hope and joy that is so much more fulfilling than anything else this world has to offer. This old world is like a merry-go-round. It just keeps going round and round and round. One moment, life seems okay. It seems good. And the very next moment, it seems like life is falling apart. One moment, it seems like the world is getting ever so closely to world peace. And the next moment, it seems like wars are breaking out everywhere. It's a never-ending cycle of the human existence. And it's a cycle that every generation of humanity continues to promote and to continues to get involved with. And every generation that comes along, the young generations think that they can fix everything the older generation screwed up. But yet every generation seems to end up in the same cycle. Because there is nothing in the human existence that we have come up with that can fix or stop it. Nothing in the human existence that ever fixes the brokenness within our human heart as human beings. 
Only one thing. Only Jesus brings consolation to our hearts and healing to our brokenness in our human existence. Only Jesus, Jesus satisfies that deep longing of our hearts. For Simeon, he could now say farewell to the world and walk into eternity having the hope fulfilled in that baby boy. And he could leave this world in peace. You know, in just a few days, we will celebrate Christmas once again. And for many people, it's just a day set aside for prezies. For some people, it's a day to gather with friends and family. For others, it's a sad day. But for some, it's a meaningless holiday, just like all the rest. But for many millions upon millions, a few billion people in the world, Christmas is the day their Savior was born. In some ways, Christmas is just a, just a human celebration. Some people really get into it. Some people really don't. But that first Christmas was a day when God offered us His best. His one and only Son. And on the surface, it probably didn't seem like very much at all, really. A baby born to a teenage peasant girl in a barn. But things aren't always what they appear, are they? I love what astronaut James Irwin, one of the guys that landed on the moon, he said, there is something more important than walking on the moon, and that is God walking on earth. And all the other things going on at this time of year, don't lose sight of Jesus. As Simeon said, for my eyes have seen your salvation, and this salvation is offered to each one of us today. You can have that salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He or she has crossed over from death to life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In fact, the Bible says more than that. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you let this Christmas season be the one in which you truly come to know and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Will you stand with me? If I've said something this morning that sparks some thinking in your mind and your heart and you want to talk further, please come up and talk to me, talk to someone next to you. If you've decided to follow Jesus this morning and accept him in your heart through faith, just I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to pray with you. Can we all pray now? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that once a year we can set aside this time to just really focus in on what it is you gave us through the gift of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to clear our hearts and our minds and to focus on you this morning and throughout the week, Lord. And let us set aside you in our hearts. Let us put you first in our hearts. Let us set aside everything else in this life that distracts us. And Father, 
Will you renew our minds, renew our focus, and help us to to journey through this life with you in our midst. Father, I thank you for all you've given to us, all you've put on offer for us. Father, I pray that you'll move in everyone's heart this morning. And if there's people here that don't know you, Lord, please just open that door for them to step through and to be a part of your kingdom, the good news of your kingdom. Thank you for all you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.